I'm very happy to welcome to the show today a newcomer to the Notably Texan playlist, but she's far from new to music, however. She has several previous music releases. She's been honing her skills for some 15 years as a performer and a songwriter. Her accolades include new folk winner at the 2018 Kerrville Folk Festival, and her first full-length record came out this year, Old Ghosts and Lost Causes. When she's not songwriting in Nashville or hosting other writers at places like the Bluebird Cafe, she resides in Dallas, which made it an easy choice to invite my special guest to our studios today. I'm looking forward to learning more today about Helene Cronin. Thank you so much for coming out to KETR. Thank you, Matt. I am excited to be here. Always love to have artists in studio, but uh, particularly one that I am just now discovering, you know what I mean? And so I'm happy to get the word out about you and this excellent record of yours. So we're going to get in depth and and, uh, learn a whole bunch about you this hour. I kind of like to get the full picture about artists. Are you native of Dallas? I was actually born on Long Island. Oh, no kidding. Yes, and then my family moved here, um, I think, my seventh grade year, so I've been here quite a while. I claim claim being a Texan now. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's close enough. Yes, yes. You can barely remember those first seven years anyway. And I'm comfortable saying y'all. Okay. (laughs) Right. Uh, have you lived elsewhere in the state other than Dallas? or um, No, mostly Dallas. We're actually in Plano. My husband and I live in Plano. Right. Um, but I say Dallas because it's just more... That's easier. easier. And yeah. yeah, people can identify it right away. Particularly for people that don't live over there. Yes, but Dallas, um, I grew up over in East Dallas in the Casa Linda area. Oh, went, yeah. Went to high school over there and um, and then college for a while in Colorado, but then came back to Dallas. So yes, good, this, has yeah. been, this has been home base for a good long Texas time. Texas has got its hooks in you then is it what does. it sounds like. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, what sorts of uh, day jobs, if you will, did you kind of hold before making music your career? Well, I actually, when I went to um, University of Colorado at Boulder, I got a business degree, human resources, because I, I like the people end of things um, more than the numbers end and, um, worked in human resources for a while out of college. And then I've, I've done real estate. I've, I've um, worked on a dude ranch in Colorado when really? I was in college. Yes, cleaning <laughs> cleaning rooms and toilets and bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. So I've I've done my share of of that kind of work, but professionally, I was um, I was a human resources rep for a while. Okay, always interesting to know the paths yeah. that uh, that singers and songwriters' lives lead yes. them on because it can well, be totally we have to different. Make money somehow, well, you know. Yes. I mean, you have to support yourself, especially when music it, it doesn't support you quite yet. But yeah. um, most recently, I, I got a real estate license and did that for about four or five years in the McKinney and, and Frisco area. And then in 2012, told my husband, if I don't just do music and do nothing else, I may as well, you know, hang it up. So okay. that's when I went full time. No other distractions. Um, nice. Just just doing the songwriting thing, going to Nashville every single month. and That's great. I mean, was that uh, liberating in a way? Yes. I mean- <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, because, I, you know, I'm committed to whatever I'm involved in. And when it was real estate clients, I was serving them. twenty. I mean, it's a 24-7 job. Oh, yeah. And then being free to just do music, it cleared a lot of headspace and emotional space, too, that I was able to just start diving in and... Um, and just going full speed toward this thing that has always been part of my life. Ever since college, I wrote my first song in college, and, you know, I just I can't get away from it. <laughs> well, that's I feel like this is uh, certainly got to be a, a fulfilling uh, career on the music side as opposed to you know, ultimately uh, being a realtor as a salesperson, you know what I mean? It and is, sales is always tough. Right, and it doesn't suit my personality very well, although when you think of, of real estate or sales or whatever as trying to find a need that you can fill for that person, then it personalized it in a way that I was yeah. able to um, do just fine at it and enjoy it. So, 
But I always have to find the people end of things. How, do, how am I going to help someone or serve someone or uh, write a song that's going to connect with someone or, you know, express yeah. something on my heart that I know is common to other people? I'm speaking with Helene Cronin in our studios here at 88.9 KETR. Was it a uh, family member that inspired you to pick up an instrument for the first time? My family made sure, my mom and dad made sure that we all started with piano lessons. So I played piano all the way through college from probably first or second grade. Um, I don't ever perform on it. I do occasionally write at it. But my older brother was... um, into the music that was coming out in the 70s, the, you know, Paul Simon, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And okay. all, all of, he would bring home all those songs, and he played guitar. So when he was away, I would go into his room and grab his guitar. Sneak in there. Sneak in there, <laughs> steal his guitar. I never took it very far, but um, it, it physically very far. But I, would, I taught myself to play. I, t- I learned chords, and then he would bring home songs. And then my parents finally realized I needed a guitar of my own. And I think my dad found me a a $10 guitar to garage sale. Okay. <laughs> with the strings way off the frets, but it was my it was it was mine and then eventually I got a better guitar and and we were, our thing that we did as a family was after a a meal or a Thanksgiving meal or something, we would go in the den and we'd all sit around and bring out instruments and just really? play everything off the radio, play everything, you know, all those songs that, you know, learn to sing harmony parts. So yeah, I my family encouraged the arts and every one of the five of us kids went into something artistic. Wow. So, yeah, it sounds like music was uh, a big part mm-hmm. of the family then. Yes. I think a lot of people take music for granted. It is so good for the soul, and it just oh. uh, does such great things, and it can bring uh, people together that don't see eye to eye on anything else, can love the same music, yes. you know. and that's exactly, <laughs> yes. And it's very healing. You know, all of us have probably some kind of, um, I, I won't, I don't know if it's trauma is the right word, but all of us have pain in our stories. And so to figure out how am I going to use what I've gone through to express something that maybe is going to connect with somebody else or help someone else. It's been very, it's been, it's better than therapy sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you were kind of alluding to uh, the things that your brother was into. Uh, what kind of music were you listening to in those early years that kind of uh, helped um, form your music taste? Well, Carol King, Tapestry. Um, I liked Mark Cohn a lot, his Walking in Memphis album. Um, uh, Sting, um, of course, the some of that same 70s music. I was too young for the Beatles. Um, so a lot of just the singer-songwriter stuff, I really feel like I was more influenced by singer-songwriters than I was necessarily by super groups or okay. a particular style. I was always honing in on who wrote the songs and what were the lyrics, and that's what I, that's what I grew up I think attention it's, to. might be interesting for people to note that you weren't necessarily um, – Raised on on like a country sound, you know what I mean, and, yes, and Americana correct. didn't exist, or the name didn't the name, exist back right. then. <laughs> the sound right. sort of did, but uh, right. nobody knew to call it Americana at that no, time. No, they didn't, and it's sort of become Americana has sort of become a catch-all for those of us who don't fit country and we don't fit blues, right. and you know, lots of us fit in it. Yes, which is good, but it's also a problem in terms of because people want to define you, they want to slot you somewhere, and and I don't know that I slot very easily. I hate to use the term marketing, but it's not yeah. that easy to market it. You know. I mean, because not everybody gets it. They're like, right. I don't know what that sound means in my mind until you hear it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, formal music training. I mean, you, you yes. said that you've pretty much that you were f- 
forced to take piano lessons of yes. sort. <laughs> and I'm the one that stuck with them the longest of the five of us. So I really did enjoy piano. And part of when the light went on was when I had a teacher in high school who taught me theory. And all of a sudden, I, I understood songs and chords that go in a particular key. And then started when I started writing a couple of years later in college, I mean, I just knew and, and playing songs and just play, learning a, a large repertoire of music. Some of it was self-education. And then I would say that that one piano teacher did a lot. And then I took a few theory courses in college. You might think you're the runt or think you're the pick of the litter. But your bloodline ain't worse than mine. It ain't any better. There's no losers or winners. We're all in this together. No one's top dog in this kennel. We're all equally beautifully crazy mixed up. Helene Cronin is my guest on 88.9 KETR. You mentioned that you started writing songs in college, but you did uh, decide at that certain point that you were going to make uh, music your, your full-time job. When did you release uh, your own music for the first time? Well, I hate to even say the year. Um, I will just say that I put an album together that is only available on cassette. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went on and did a couple more CDs. They were all contemporary Christian genre. I, th I recorded when I was pregnant i wanted to be one of those women that had it all and so i wanted to raise a family so we have two daughters um, i was pregnant with the second one when i put out my second record and then the third in 2001 and then i stepped away from the contemporary christian genre and began writing i would say broader subject matter and found that uh, doors began to open that hadn't opened before and so i put out an ep in 2014 um, called Restless Heart. And that was my first time back in the studio in, in what, 13 years? Wow. Um, then I'd follow that up with another EP right away um, called uh, Belong to the River in 2015. And then I continued writing, continued working on the batch of songs that would become the record that is Old Ghosts and Lost Causes. And that was a completely different direction for me. One of my most downloaded songs is a song on, on my record in the Company of Angels, and it's a song about a miscarriage called Waiting in Heaven. And, wow. you know, it's odd to me how songs get out there into the universe and what people pick up on. But, yes, I feel like that's a that's um, a, that's a, another life. That's, that's yeah. stuff that I was doing back then. It was It worked out really well for me. But I think when I began to just open up to writing about life in general and just the struggles we all face, then things really picked up. Yeah, that definitely expands your horizons a little bit, for sure, to uh, to just different types of music fans. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about the success of your song, uh, Lucky Me. That sort of grew legs on its own, I gather. I had a really disappointing trip to Nashville in 2005 where I, th I had been invited to a workshop that I thought I was going to be discovered at, and it didn't go the way I wanted, and so I... I went to the airport. I was going to go on a standby flight and get out of town as soon as I could. And I was standing there in the standby line trying to get a ticket, and there was a, um, a man in uniform next to me. I'd never – I'm basically a reserved person in a lot of ways, and I had never spoken to a soldier because I feel kind of silly going up and saying, you know, thank you for your service right, or whatever. I understand. But there are people who are very good at that. But for the first time, I just said, I'm going to just say hi to this guy. So I did, and I asked him where he was going. He said, I'm going back to the Middle East, which told me it was not his first tour. And then he said to me, where are you going? And if I had had a great trip in Nashville, number one, I would not have been at the airport. Number two, I would never have said, oh, I'm going home with a poor me look on my face. <laughs> and so he answered, lucky you. And I knew it was a song. It hit me in the heart very, very strongly. I didn't touch the idea for two years. When I did finally sit down to write it, I began to 
Um, the whole story poured out. I've tweaked it because I always do rewrites, so it's a little different than what originally went on that yellow pad. But the story was there, and the song began to have impact right away. And then my sister, um, who does video work, said, you've got to put that on YouTube. And I said, why would I put a song on YouTube? <laughs> right, this was at a time. <laughs> so this that, is 2010. Yeah. <laughs> so she went, she was living in Italy at the time. She went back to Italy. She put pictures with it. She loaded the song on YouTube. It took off. People were sending it to Ellen and to Oprah. And wow. to, of course, the um, more conservative talk shows. And, and we sent it to Mike Huckabee and no response from anybody. And then I met some people that knew Huckabee personally. And from the time they sent it to him to the time I was in New York was, I think, five days. Wow. And I got to appear on his show. Oh, and no that, kidding. That just, so that helped it blow up. So I think I went viral for about five minutes on this song. I have over 132,000 views on it. Nice. I've heard from every branch of the service, family as well as servicemen, what that song means to them. So to me, that was a, a big success. And it was the song that kind of renewed my belief in myself as a writer. I stood in line beside a soldier At the airport ticket counter We were catching flights in Tennessee We made a little easy conversation I asked his destination Another tour of duty in the Middle East Then he asked me So people can uh, can seek that out. It's yes, still on YouTube. It is. Uh, so you can just look up uh, Helene Cronin. And by the way, if you haven't seen her name spelled, it's H-E-L-E-N-E. -E, that's the first name. And then uh, the last name is C-R-O-N-I-N. So you can seek out Thank Helene you. Cronin's song, Lucky Me, that we were just talking about. Right. And you can find this uh, video. But I wanted to play, uh, to me, one of the kind of standout cuts in my mind from your new record, Old Ghosts and Lost Causes. Love that title, by the way. Thank that's you. I mean, that's how I knew right off the bat. Thank I was like, you. this is something special because that's, uh, I mean, that title just kind of uh, stuck you. out to me. Thanks. Uh, and but, that was made up. Really? I, I took Yeah, I took Old Ghosts is from the song Riding the Gray Line and Lost Causes is from the song God Doesn't because none of the songs completely represented the album. Gotcha. So thank you for that. <laughs> Well, that, that was it. that was kind of the first thing that stuck out to me, and and as I was t telling you before we went on the air, I go through a lot of music. That's that's part of the job here. Woe is me. I have to listen to tons of music. <laughs> I know people would would love to do this, but the trick is, you know, uh, not every single music submission that you get in at a radio station is always, you know, the best in 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 uh, this DJ's mind. So I was really tickled when I uh, put in your album and discovered all these great songs like uh, Devil I Know. What can you tell me about this tune? Devil I Know I wrote with uh, my friend Scott Sean White, who is one of my regular co-writers, and a young lady who is an artist in Nashville named Deidre Thornell. And we were working on another song, and she 
said in the middle of that ride, she goes, I have this other title I want to write, you know, Devil I Know. And of course, we've heard that expression, better the devil I know than the devil I don't know, meaning I'll stick with my own problems, thank you. (laughs) But when we started to write it, and we began to dive into stories of people very close to us who uh, deal with addiction, and, and our own stories of just being stuck in some of our own patterns and um, fighting ourselves on on certain things we realize we don't need to talk about the devil we don't know it's just who we who we deal with on a daily basis when we look in the mirror or when we are tripped up on our own uh, patterns Uh, that's that was enough and that's what we dug into and dove into and then we just went for a really rock production on it which i love i love what the guys brought to this song Uh, absolutely i was gonna say uh the production on this is is just amazing and uh admittedly this is um you know, kind of a darker song if the yes. sound and the, and the uh, you know, the subject matter are a little bit uh, darker. And that certainly does not imply that the whole album or all of your music are like this, as you were just talking about. You've, you've got a lot of really positive messages. Yeah. And this is not a negative message by any no, means. No, I hope not. It's very real to me. And I, but I, it is, it, you're right. It, it's not like this is not what the whole album is like, but it is definitely a strong piece of, of what, what the album brought. From the new record old ghosts and lost causes it's helene cronin out of dallas i just played devil i know in my mind one of the standout tracks from this excellent album old ghosts and lost causes you might have heard me playing that here over the past several weeks on the show i'm happy to have in studio with me right now the artist herself helene cronin is with me i hope you're enjoying your stay here at ketr i am i'm having a blast man i just i love the production on that tune and the dark vibe i mean do you enjoy kind of getting into uh the darker territory on songs I like do. that I, yeah well i i write in nashville and and it's country music world and sure and they don't address some of that stuff. And I get really tired of um, sugarcoating things. And so, yeah, I like it when I get once in a while sink my teeth into a song that has that darker reality. 
how much of that that kind of vibe on that uh, came out of the uh, the production and the producers and whatnot? I know you'd written the song, but yeah. you, we were talking off air about how right. how tickled you were with with what they did for the sound on that. The vibe and the I mean, it just came from an eighth note groove thing that I did. Um, they took that and took it to the next level, and of course, adding Chad Cromwell on drums and Kenny Vaughn, who is in Marty Stewart's uh, fabulous Superlatives band. Okay, um, those guys they just know what to do, and and in the studio that day. Those two days that we tracked, every song is different and every song has a different feel. But they became my band for those two days and they found me in those songs, but they brought brought my songs to a new level, which there's an art to that. And that's why those guys are pros. It was Kenny Vaughn on guitar, uh, Chad Cromwell on drums. Uh, Bobby Terry was our session leader and multi-instrumentalist and he was incredible. Byron House on bass was blew my mind even now as i listen to it i'm sitting there going man he was a quiet guy in the (laughs) studio who just knew what to do and on every song everything he did was so tasteful and then of course my producer matt king uh i could not have done this project without him he put the band together he's the one who when we would play a song in the studio and it wasn't quite right he'd come back in and say no here's what i want and very his his fingerprints are all over this record and what he saw in me and then what he was able to bring to life my life will never be the same helene cronin is talking with me on 88.9 ketr just kind of one of these necessary evils of being an a uh, artist is that you're kind of forced to categorize your music uh into a genre and we've we've kind of touched on this already i mean do you generally just kind of go with the uh, the americana label I'm trying to promote that. Sometimes I feel, hey, look at me. I'm an Americana artist. Well, along with zillions of everybody else who doesn't fit somewhere. You know, I feel <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a generic title in a, in a way that I don't think we want it to be. But so is singer-songwriter. And I think All I've right. just always called myself a singer-songwriter. But again, every everybody is. So I don't know. I kind of... I'm not homeless, but I feel a little bit like I'm... I'm I cross genres. And yes. Blend country, folk, Americana, a little bit of blues. I mean, honestly, Whatever. from my perspective, that is uh, becoming way more common. I mean, yes. nobody just fits into one uh, one yeah. pigeonhole anymore. Right. Uh, and so I, I I understand that that must that's uh, frustrating on a certain level to be like, well, I can't just put a label on here so that yeah. people know what I am before they hear me. But right. and that's the only reason to have a label, of course, is to give people a reference point. But one thing that's happening with this album because I actually hired promotional help and publicity on it with um, Adam Dawson and with Broken Jukebox Media, and so by him getting the album out there i've begun i have begun to draw comparisons i've always been compared to mary chapin carpenter but now i'm getting laurie mckenna leonard cohen um mary gaucher yeah uh people that are currently out there um killing it travis meadows i love travis meadows and i love having my name mentioned like devil i know some friends and people have said man that is so travis meadows <laughs> so i'm like yes right you. that's so, an honor yeah <laughs> well and you're you're definitely drawing attention uh, of your uh, fellow uh, singers and songwriters from around the state yes. who've said some very kind things yes. about you they were very gracious uh you know voices that are often heard here on the show uh, friends of the show like terry Hendricks and zane williams uh have said some great things about you so i'm just doing my part to make sure everybody discovers who helene cronin is because for whatever reason the other stations around here may not be playing her and that's a sh- shame on them but that's where i come in here and uh, thanks for tuning in ketr today to learn about helene you wrote or co-wrote all the songs uh, on the record didn't you on yes. old ghosts yes that would be my only reason to sing a song would be because i wrote it i don't i don't do covers i don't need it 
usually who, whoever sang a song, they did a great job. They don't need me to cover it. <laughs> well, so. you know, that's certainly not the case with uh, many artists I that know. I bring in, yes, of course. That's it's, true. It's, they may write songs, but they, I think, are hard-pressed to, I guess, feel like they've found enough songs that they love to put them on a record. Right. Uh, they'll get songs from other people, which is a whole right. other side of the business. You right. Know? And if I were... Um, Yes, that is another side of the business. I will say on this album, we had about 20 songs to choose from. We tracked 12. I dropped two of those that I decided didn't fit the project. And then at the last minute um, in December, we had already tracked in November of last year. In December, we finished the song called Ghost, uh, my friend Davis Corley and I. And that was a last-minute ad. So I started started with 20, culled it down to 12, dropped two, (laughs) added one. And that's how I ended up with 11, which I think is a, a... beautiful number so i was happy i was happy with the ones that ended up here so i had too many songs for the project gotcha of my own you know there's this whole other aspect i've been talking to a lot of artists about lately about how uh apparently in one of the many changes in the music business lately basically the fact that albums have been going away and many artists have been focusing more on singles because fewer people are going out and buying albums right. which is how you and i uh grew, grew up, up you know listening to music is if you like the song you got to get the album oh, well, yep. uh and you know i think sometimes people don't even consider that an album it's not just a bunch of songs that you throw throw in together it is kind of a presentation yes. that you are it's designed to be listened to beginning to end you know yep so you're a, still a believer in in albums then well, I am because you still have to have some physical product in some circles and to me it just gives me something that i can say yes i I recorded this record. I put it in somebody's hands. Then if they, I mean, they can still go to Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music and people find you that way. But I like the physicality of an actual product. And I grew up reading liner notes yes. and wanting to know all the details <laughs> of who played what. And I knew all those names of everybody that played on all those records. And um, that's important to me. And it's really, it is about presentation. I want to hand somebody something that shows who played on it. Who mastered it? Who mixed it? I, I care about that stuff. Nice to have actual information, so In I appreciate you yes. doing that. We're really enjoying talking to Helene Cronin here on KETR. I understand that you got your family involved a bit on this album, and you co-wrote one of the tunes with your daughter? I did. My daughter, Alex, is actually a fiction writer. She writes book-length um, things, not usually songs. Okay. But she grew up around songwriting because she heard me, you know, every time I'd come home with new songs, you know, my family would be forced to listen to them <laughs> right and um i actually often have good feedback but one day i i was reading an article do you know brandon jenkins he was a red dirt artist out of oklahoma oh okay he, yeah this is ringing a big, bell yeah. yeah big burly guy and um so i was reading an article about him he had had open heart surgery in nashville last year i think and passed away and so he was only in his 40s i believe and and they said in spite of his big burly tattooed ball bearded appearance he was he actually was a very kind soul and didn't have a mean bone in his body. Well, I've heard that expression a million times, but for some reason that day, mean bone, like jumped, literally jumped off the paper at me and I went, ooh, what if somebody did have a mean bone? And how come we don't say that? Um, <laughs> so I began working and I had tuned my guitar to a G minor chord and I was just, I was just playing around with a, a feel on that and began to put a lyric together. And I based the story a little bit on on you know loosely based on on my own dad's story and so my daughter heard me playing this bluesy thing and she came downstairs and said what are you playing and so i played what i had for her and she suggested an edit and then i said why don't you sit down and write it with me and she brought it that day <laughs> she had great ideas there's a key point in the bridge that is is her her writing and then again the band and what they brought in terms of that bluesy funk um 
blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, this is, you know, we're a wildly eclectic show here. Yes. We play any genre as long as it's from Texas. So I appreciate the eclectic nature of this album and uh, kind of a, you know, a different side of Helene Cronin's music. I played Devil I Know earlier, which was a little darker. This is just kind of a, a different take on uh, on Helene Cronin's sound and an example of the things that you can find on this record, Old Ghosts and Lost Causes. Pass it down to each of his sons. So my daddy and my uncles all got one Can't bury it beneath the graveyard stone No, no Daddy carried it with him under his skin Like a thorn in his side digging in Oh, there was hell I know this is a shocker, but there are, uh, there are not a lot of other Helene Cronins out there who I think are going to come up on your searches. So, <laughs> There's one in Australia. It, is there really? <laughs> yes. yes, some lady in Australia. She doesn't make music, does nope, she? she? Okay, she sure doesn't. All right, that so, was going to get a little, a little yes, bit confusing. confusing. Nope. Uh, I mean, if somebody wanted to seek out this record, I'm assuming they could probably just Google your name and, uh, and find some places to find it. Yes, they could. It's all, uh, including my website, HelenCronin.com, and that's H-E-L-E-N-E-C-R-O-N. Nin.com. All, all the music is up there to listen to for free. But um, if you want to buy it, you can buy the actual album from my website. You can buy downloads from Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all, all everywhere. Gotcha. So yeah, you're going to be able to find this available out there. And uh, Helene is an independent <laughs> artist who is, uh, has taken a lot of different turns uh, with, with her music through the years and has been uh, refining her craft for a long time. And this album has been uh, a long time coming. And uh, I, I just love what I hear on here. I know that you're Thank proud you. of it. I am. I am. It's a big step up for me, you know, hiring a band, going into the studio in yeah. Nashville and, and trusting a producer to bring out um, a side of me that I had never revealed before. I mean, all of it. I'm proud of it. Well, congratulations. Thank I mean, you. this is uh, this is great. Uh, this is a great way for me to learn about you. And I'm, I'm happy to share this music discovery with with the music fans around Northeast Texas. Much as you are an independent artist, we're an independent radio station of sorts. We're a listener supported public radio station. I always like to ask artists like you if you would uh, talk a little bit about why a station like KETR uh, matters in your mind. Well, in my mind, it matters. Um, because as a musician, there are a lot of stations that will not play me because I'm not top 40. And it's been the community radio stations all over the country, um, KNON in Dallas and others, um, Baton Rouge, Netherlands, uh, France. I mean, these are these are the ways that my music will get out because they will pay attention. So as an artist, that matters to me. And I like to feel that maybe I give back something to them by coming on the show and encouraging people to support um, public radio. Like, we can't do it what we do as songwriters without people coming alongside and saying, I want to help support that artist. And it's the same with 
with you all, I would imagine. Our goals are similar here yes. in that we are all about uh, providing a, a great uh, listening service for uh, people in Northeast Texas, providing you an avenue to learn about the best that Texas music has to offer, which, again, sadly, uh, you will not hear necessarily on on the traditional country stations, or I can't even name an Americana station around here, but I mean, it's hard to discover new artists, out there. even on the internet, okay? The internet is awash, just completely yes. uh, covered in new music that you can discover. Uh, but again, it's overwhelming at some point, at a certain point, it's, the saturation is just yes. so heavy. And just one other thought on that, what would make somebody who listens to KETR uh, support this station? Because I mean, to a lot of people, there are all these stations all over the dial that they never ask them to give uh, money to them. So why should somebody uh, donate money to KETR because you're not going to be spoon-fed um pablum i hate to say you're going to be you're going to be curated you're going to have show, you're going to have songs that somebody has listened to ahead of time and thought through and wanted to present to you and um i think that the human effort involved in that rather than it being computer driven there's value there well if you agree with our guest helene cronin then become a member today by clicking donate at ketr.org really have enjoyed uh, my time with you here today. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find you out there. I've spelled your name several times. It's more effective when you do it. So let, give us your website again okay. and and, uh, and remind us where we can kind of seek you out online. Sounds good. My website is Helene Cronin, H-E-L-E-N-E-C-R-O-N-I-N. Those are all N like Nancy, not Mary. Um, HeleneCronin.com. I've, I've got my uh, performance schedule. I am playing around the area a little bit um, coming up soon. So find my uh, gig dates and my music and any other info you might want to know about me. And I, oh, I appreciate every person that goes and, and downloads and listens. And you all, everybody matters. And you're making a difference in my life. You're making a difference in uh, music lovers' lives right now, i got to tell you. And, uh, yeah, you, you can definitely find some upcoming dates uh, in the area, uh, over in the Dallas area, not too far of a drive if you want to go and catch Helene Cronin uh, performing live. And you will no doubt hear more of her music here on the show. In fact, I'd love to have you back again Thank for another you. chat later. I would later. come anytime. You made this easy on me. <laughs> awesome. Hey, that's... <laughs> thank you, Matt. That is, that's what it's all about for me. Well, yes. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.